0: Hey everybody, this is Eric from EFP. Today is episode 16, and we're gonna be talking about pacing with a new anchor. And I don't have to do five-minute sections anymore. This is gonna be weird. Topic's gonna to be pretty simple but detailed. Number one, pacing. Your time slot, your four-hour time slot, your time with your players, your time at your conventions, how to pace this out so you don't look like an idiot. You're not running long, you're not running short, or at least not too short. I think short's actually better than long. Two, length of your session, length of your descriptions, everything controls the speed of your session. Three, have plot points. I'm huge on these. And have something you can plug and play. We'll get into that. Four, be ready to change the pace. There's some parts that are going to merge into the last part, which is have awareness and what awareness is for when you are pacing your story. Remember, you're not just a GM a storyteller and you're a cooperative collaborative storyteller so let's jump into this and get the show on the road just because you get time to talk doesn't mean you need to fill the fucking air just saying sometimes less is more as a gm and a player So for those of you that are new to who I am, my name is Eric Frankhouse. I am a three-time Iron GM winner. Iron GM is a competitive storytelling tournament that is held at Gen Con every year. 30 to 50 GMs get together, run five-person tables. They are given three words as ingredients, have one hour to prep their five-hour session. You turn around and give your players three words, and you cannot talk to them for that first hour of prep. You're judged by your table, not by a panel. And that is Iron GM. I've placed in the top 10 now for, I think, 10 years. And I have one perfect score, two back-to-backs, and I just won again last year. And I'm saying that because I believe that the tables are about a couple things. In order to win Iron GM, you have to be good at storytelling. But you can even be average if you know how to do a key few things. One, you need to understand your time slot, and how to pace it. If you take too long discussing tiny nitty-gritty things and your combat or your intro takes too long and you don't get into the meat of it or it goes too quick but your characters don't feel grounded, these can become problems. So those are my credentials. And here's how I pace a four-hour session. I make sure I know my players. Have this be my home game, which is the most difficult, because they change, and at a convention you can get away with just asking and then running. But let's just say you find out what your players like. That is some homework you need to do. You make sure to hit three out of five, the majority of your people's likes, during that. And if you can hit all five and not make it feel rushed, even better. I set a clock in front of me, and I do a time list that says within one hour, I want them to be on the job. We're on the mission, or doing the thing that I want them to do. And then in the two-and-a-half-hour mark, I want to take a break and let everyone gather, have it be in the height of combat, and we take a break after that. If I had to push it or pull it back, I will. But I know that in that two-and-a-half-hour mark, there is a moment that I want to have happen. And then we'll take a break, get something to drink, whatever, short, five, ten minutes, especially if I'm running online, let people get away from computer. It's different when you're playing at a table with people. Come back, and I dive right in. Um, I do a quick, brief recap of what we just did, and I dive into the actual next section. And then in the last hour, I want it to be a very powerful moment. Um, and that could be within the last hour or the last half an hour. Have it be combat that wanes and flows, and and uh, you get into someone dying or someone getting captured. And I want it to end on that hard note. If it's a convention session, I want this to end on something joyous and huge. And the object is to keep your fucking energy during this. It's hard to do. To be excited the entire time you're running a four-hour piece can be hard. I understand that. But you gotta do it. So the pacing itself is about watching your players, seeing who's engaged, and having key pieces to re-engage them that you can plug and play. Because if your players aren't engaged and they are bored or doing something else, they will disrupt your game and the pace and flow. I also believe in asking a lot of questions. So instead of telling players what they do, ask them what they do. Because they belong in in the story and then become part of your pacing. So for example, everybody walks into the magistrate's office. The magistrate is at his desk Paper's strewn everywhere. Uh, there are magic hands all over, moving books around. And they've come here to ask him for help. But he's obviously busy. He has not looked like he slept in days. His office is disheveled. It's not going well for him right now. And you're here to ask for assistance. As a GM, I would describe that scene and then go, all right, guys, what do you do as players? What do you do? if no one says anything right away, I would point at one of them and say, hey, what does your character do in this moment? You guys came here for a goal. What do you do? They're either going to say, we're going to talk to him. We're going to leave. We're going to come back later. We're going to look around the room, see if we can help him before, you know, we help ourselves. Everyone's going to act differently. If people are having a hard time, remind them of what they do, what their goal is, what their alignment is. Sometimes this can help drive things. But that's how you help handle pacing during sections and also they're going to come up with things you weren't ready for and this is why you have to have a overarching idea of what you want the story to do but not railroad them into doing it i really love the idea of time clocks Um, they're really great so let's say that this magistrate in the first tick of the clock is going to be studying second tick of the clock he's not in his office because they've taken too long to get here and his secretary tells you Uh, He's went out in the field to do research, back into the war, the battlefield, into the war field. And then the third one, he is injured on the war field and brought back to a tent. And the fourth one, he dies. This is the time chart I would put into place, because what it does is it structures and forces your players to do things. They don't always have to be that dramatic, but they definitely help drive a point home. And it helps me keep my pacing and drives the players to get things done. If they walk away from that clock, you already know what goes through and happens. He dies. End of the session, they find out that guy didn't make it. Shit, we should have have found him. But pacing your story over that four-hour slot is pivotal. So have your beginning, your middle, your end, and whatever your time chart is for this to be. You don't have to be stringent, but do not be afraid to enforce what's going on. Don't be afraid to explain the camera panning back and showing the group around the table for a section of time discussing what's going on or them in the magistrate's office or in the secretary's area waiting. Pull back, describe that scene, and then ask the players, how do you handle this? What do you do? Are you leaving? And sometimes I don't even give them options. I just ask what they're going to do and then respond. But for my pacing, I know what's going on with that magistrate, that secretary. I have a little tiny dial that tells me, this is what's going to happen in these moments. So, that's the general of pacing. Be ready to pace your story, be ready to pace your event. And in order to do that, you need to know your story. Next, let's talk about length control speed. Length control speed. What does this mean? Well, this is in storytelling and writing and just about anything. The more you talk, the slower the pace is faster you talk the faster the pace is if i start talking like this and i'm energetic about something the sword strikes down hits you in the shoulder blows a plate off your armor what do you do that drives energy but if we are sitting around a mage in a group and the mage speaks more like this i know that you're here to speak with me about how to solve this beholder issue but it is very time consuming for us to do this You cannot headlong into battle and hope to kill this creature. We need a plan. And that plan needs to be flawless. Now, slowing that pace down adds a seriousness, a tone to what is going on. And it makes that NPC ground the players in the moment. Even if they are energetic at the time, it allows you to ground them and let them know this shit is serious. Same thing happens, though. You're in a bar, you change your canter, You change how you people talk. When the bartender walks up to him and says, hey, I got six more people. What can I get you to drink today? I'll take a, I'll take a, come on. I don't have a lot of time. There's like 18 other people. And he comes over and takes your order. You've changed the pacing again. You've set a motion, you've set a tone. If you walk into a celebration, you're like, are there bugles going off? Drums are smashing down. There's a rhythm. It is filling the air. You can feel it in your body. It is like a marching band walking by as you and the rest of the heroes walk down the main street, dragging the beholder behind you. Your plan almost went to perfection because behind that beholder is one of your fallen comrades. Your party is going to have to bury this man. There's no money. There's no cleric able to bring him back to life. While you are surrounded by this energy, there's a somberness in your heart. And you can combine these paces together when you're doing something to make your players understand what is going on. Command your presence. Command your table. And to do that, you just talk. But keep your pacing based on the action you want to see short develops fast long develops conversation keep these little little thing in mind as you're doing your stuff but the most important thing that you can remember as a gm is silence ask a question and wait do not rephrase unless a player asks you something i know that silence can be painful but sometimes the players are thinking so for example So you talk to the mage. He tells you you guys need this plan. Do you have one? What do you want to do? And you wait. was only five seconds, but it feels like an eternity. You wait for your players to answer. And if they answer with questions, you give them answers or ask for checks. Do what you need to do to get them the thing they need. Your job as a GM is not to hinder them. It is to pace this along, let them have success and failures to become better at what they do, make a better character, drive a better story. Keep that in mind. Length controls speed. So I'm going to be at GaryCon 10, March 8th through the 11th. If you're interested in playing a game with me, maybe... Trying out one of the plotted Adventures, or hell, running one for me. I'm willing to make time to do that. Call into the show. Let me know what you'd like to play. I'm going to pick the best players to run a game for, or to join. I have a few options, and I have some cool things coming up for my Patreon. EFP is going to be bringing you micro campaigns. Remember Polyhedron? When they used to have those nice little campaign settings in the magazine. Think of that, but a little larger. Be starting with a new Five E setting high magic about the courts and you can be involved in this by joining my patreon i'm super excited to bring this and be coming out in march and don't forget the end of february the final episode of crimson chains is going to release if you like horror and you want something to run in your setting this is a systemless piece that you can do it's a web a plot web a map and audio notes that's right So back into the show. There's something else I want to talk about. It's about having plot points ready. Note what you want to do, and kind of the order you want to do them in. But make a few of them shufflable. Um, I again, I would like index cards for this. If you ever watch my videos about my index card box, it's what I use to run games in a notebook, or sometimes I use digital notes on on Google Docs. It's depending on my my flavor and feel and what I want. But the note cards are huge because I can put them on the table, reshuffle and order them. And as they do, I can just number them. Or I draw a plot web out, which is what you'll see in my Plotted Adventures. And they can do whatever they want. And if they try to do something that's not connected, I draw a line. And I just do it in a different color. No, they decided to do this because they just did. Maybe it wasn't connected originally. But having plot points ready and key items ready allows you to plug and play and make it seem like you had it all planned. When really all you did was have... The little dots connected, and they actually draw the lines. You know what you want it to look like. It's supposed to be a star, but they end up drawing a demon's head out of it. It doesn't matter. You still had the dots there to use. That's the goal of using plot points. So, what type of plot points do I do? I usually have locations, events, Sometimes I can merge those together, like they lay over top of each other, like um, it's a village, but it's during a rainstorm or it's a village that's under siege or was just siege and you're coming in afterwards and they need help in order for you to get information from them. Or maybe it's something grander than that, Uh, the mountains to the east have erupted and avalanches have fallen down and inside of that a large demon has appeared. These are the kind of events I know I want to have happen. And sometimes the player's involved in them, or sometimes they're just set pieces for them to know there's a looming danger or something going on. Sometimes it's for foreshadowing. Key items, have it be for mysteries, pieces they need to find to solve a mystery, or maybe they're magical items that I really want the players to have because they're suited to that character. I make sure that that player finds that item. Make them roll, but as long as they don't fail, give it to them. Or they do fail, have them pick up something and little do they know it leads to getting the item anyway. They don't need to know why. You're just having them roll dice for success and failure. It's not bad to cheat. I know some GMs hate that, but pulling punches is okay if it drives a good story. Another thing I always have is monsters ready, names of cities, names of people for the area, and possible rumors or hooks that make sense. So if they come into that city that was recently raided, there's very few survivors, and you go, what happened? Like The raiders came through. They've never done this before. They always hit the surrounding villages, but they don't ever hit us because we provide them with food. The riders of Reading are usually not aggressive. They came through and they shot everybody up and they captured six of our people, including the Elder. Those kind of things are good. And then they can pry it around and try to find out more. Maybe some horses were left behind. Uh, Maybe a few of the riders got shot down or killed and now PCs get horses out of them. Make those all kind of connect. These are the kind of plot points that I use. And I have a my story outline, like I said earlier, and my plot web, and I have that timer. And they all kind of mash together into this seamless clock that I can plug and play pieces into whenever I want instead of having to go from 1 to 12. It's that simple. Now, I would do a new section for this, but I think it relates to the plot points and having to be flexible. And the idea is... Be ready to change pace. So you have all these nice plot points and pieces you can throw out for your players to encounter and do and magical items. If you set them all in a railroad style, you may find some of your pieces are not hitting well with the players. End them. If they come into the town and they don't give a shit about this place burned up, like, we're not, we're not, we don't care. We're going to just go hunt them down. Let's track them and go. Don't make them stay in that city slide that piece aside right finished on it whatever you want to do or come back to it or if you have a little clock in the corner it says they leave riders come back when they're gone whatever you want to do you can have a two-piece to that front and back of the card is how i usually do it front of the card is well it starts back of the card will have the clock and i'll start ticking things off and just have a title at the top think about being ready to change your pace if they want to go 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 and they're ready for some action give it to them Make a couple of riders come back. See them and ride off and make it be a chase scene. Or your ranger in your group tracks that person down and knows where the hell they are. Says, I know where they're at. I'm from this area. Your goal as the GM is not to deter and stop. So if the pacing is slowing down or if they feel like they're getting tired, the best thing at combat, combat ends. Take a break. Let everyone get a drink of water, smoke, whatever it is you do. Come back and be like, all right, you guys are starting. to Look through this place that you've attacked these riders of Reading." What do you want to do? Oh, well, we're going to search. We're going to find things. They may tell you, no, we're going to hunt the rest down. But this allows you to figure out the pacing that the players want. But there's something I think that GMs overlook a lot with pacing. And it's the idea of passage of time and downtime because they don't know how to handle it. The DMG does have rules for training at 250 days, I think is what it is, Train uh, advantage and a skill. But downtime is good. And give the players options for downtimes. Like, here's options of things I recommend you do. Uh, Matt Colville has a stronghold guide coming out. That's a great example of something to do with your downtime. But don't be afraid to take that downtime and do it between sessions. I don't recommend having downtime be at the table unless it's at the beginning and you're just rounding up answers that you did from Discord or whatever or the very end, but never more than like 10, 15 minutes. Downtimes should happen in between because if your players want that downtime, they'll use it. And for those that don't want to use the downtime, they don't have to. They can just chill with their families and do whatever it is their character would do. But give the option there for your creatives that love to build, find things, and do stuff with those 30 days, 60 days off. Because remember, things take time. And combat and your are chasing, and everything else doesn't need to be go, 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 go. Pacing. Give breaks. Sometimes ramp it up and give them none. My group right now is... They went for like 24 hours with no break, and that was on purpose to show war in an emergency, and now they're going to have time off. So remember, plot points and be ready to change pace. So the last thing I want to talk about as a GM, and this is a skill that it takes time to train, especially with so many different personality types, but that's awareness. Having some awareness with your table. And I don't just mean each player. I mean the energy at the table, What is going on between when you take your breaks, asking questions, and not being afraid to hear answers. You may hear some stuff you don't want to hear, but you need to be aware to run a well-paced game. If a player tells you, yeah, I got to leave tonight, I forgot to have a dinner, go, okay, that's cool. Um, Do you want us to to write your character and doing something else, start a downtime, or as a group, do you guys just want to call a little early tonight? Because that ability for you to give a shit about your players is going to make a difference. We've had a a person in our group right now that's had some stuff come up and we've had to pace around him, but I've still kept him in the story. And instead of getting angry about it, I've made it part of my story. Also, awareness comes in the form of people at your table being on their phone, people at your table being on their computer, people having side conversations. If they're not really related to what's going on, tell everybody, all right, guys, we're going to stay kind of in the moment here. Don't side talk about things outside of this moment. It's about to get intense. And just... Change the pace because as an awareness, you can change everything up. So, for example, let's say your party is separated. And for example, in my new setting that I'm running, they're in part uh, different courts of magic. One person was in the court of scale doing something, one was in the court of bone, the other one was in the court of the wand, and they were all doing separate things for their courts. And as soon as I saw some people having too many side conversations, it was distracting the conversation we we're having. So okay, I'm going to cut you there. Get ready to let me know what you want to do next so when I come back to you, you're good to go. And I jump to those people who are talking. That's awareness. It's basic, but there's a lot of GMs that miss it. People sitting and doing nothing for too long takes them out of the moment. And there's nothing wrong with running a divided party, but you got to be willing to cut and jump more fluidly. I believe no more than five to ten minutes on a player or a split group. Um, And then also be... Telling the messages on the other side. If you have a Discord up, let them know, hey guys, be ready. I need to know what you guys want to do. I want to keep this moving. And then you ask questions. You jump between those two parties. All right, so you guys go into the court and you find out that, yeah, they are doing research. But this research is a little dark. They're testing it on people. And that's at the Court of Scale. They're transmuters, So it's not odd to you, but to some of the other people, that's not the magic you know. Okay, the Court of Bone, you're there. Get ready because I'm going to switch over to you. You guys be ready? I'm going to come back. So I'm leaving you at the scene of you watching them experimenting on this person with these imposters. All right, court score of bone, what are you doing? And I switch between. Other thing for awareness, and this is a little different be aware of players failing too much because too much failure becomes not fun. And also might mean, you as a GM have your DC set a little too high. All GMs have that tendency to creep those DCs up to make things more difficult. But you should have an average number for your session on the lower side of things. And have some pivotal moments that are a little bit higher. Moments that challenge the players. Because challenge is good. And failure is good as well. If they fail, fail, still drive the story. So... If they're watching this imposter that there are experiments are going on and the person fails their arcane check, not knowing what's going on, you're tell them, you watching what they're doing. This isn't the court of magic that your family uses. They're not transmuters. Then you're watching what they do and it looks more akin to torture than anything else. Now to a court of scale member who failed that save, you might say, yeah, they're doing experiments, but this is beyond the realm of what you do. They need to know why this functions to find a cure and that's all you can understand. And you're giving them a bit of information or letting them fail forward. The other person, you're giving them a bit of information letting them have an, an emotional state forward. These are things I do when I'm being aware of my table. So that's it for today. This is about pacing. And I got to do a longer episode, and I really enjoy the new anchor. Um, there's some features I'd like to see change, but updates always happen with these guys. So let's recap quickly the key points that I use for pacing. One, learn to pace your time slot. Look at the time, be ready, be aware of it. Two, length controls speed. Talk slow, lengthens the session, also drives a different form of emotional response. Fast really makes it energetic. and Things can happen. Keep those in mind to help your pacing. Have plot points ready for plug and play purposes just in case your players take a different direction and ask them questions about those plot points to drive the direction they're going to go. Four, be ready to change the pace. You see things going on too slow, too fast, someone not paying attention, change that pace. Fucking rock them, do something new. Start combat out of nowhere, then explain it later. Or stop combat abruptly and maybe they realize they're fighting the wrong people and last and this encompasses everything i just said be aware of what you're doing aware of your players aware of your table aware of the state of them in character and as your players and friends so that's it for today's show i hope you guys enjoy it i really have been enjoying doing these Uh, this will be out on anchor i love collins they just updated the app i think it's now called voicemails instead of collins but you know what the fuck it is I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope pacing helps you. If you're having a problem with pacing, call in. I like to answer these questions. And if you're listening to this as a podcast instead, find me on social media. Or, better yet, come to my Patreon. I post things that are free all the time. There are some stuff that are behind the patronage walls, but I respond to everybody. So that's it for me today. I hope you guys had a good time. I'm going to go play some Tales from the Loop for my friend Roxanne's birthday. I hope you guys have a great day. Go roll some dice, have a beer, share a story.